We are helping owners create cash flow and pay down their mortgage, while our guests feel like a millionaire for the time that they stay with us. It's no secret that focusing on others' outcome ultimately leads to more income for you and your company. Welcome to the Good Endeavor Short-Term Rental Show. Welcome to the Good Endeavor Short-Term Rental Show. I am your co-host. I'm bringing a co-host with me today. My name is Mark McDaniel and Bobby Harrington is my co-host today. And um, you guys have heard Bobby the past couple weeks and we've been on this leadership journey, so to speak. And so the next topic within this leadership kind of talking points were this set of podcasts that we, we labeled our, our leadership set of podcasts um, is this idea of navigating success. First week, we talked about uh, creating a vision. Last week, we talked about um, stepping into your creative force, into your creative genius. This week, we'll talk about some practical steps around navigating success whether that be goal setting, mapping, metrics, things like that. With that being said, Bobby, thanks again, man. Really appreciate you being here. Um, love your insight on all these leadership topics. Yeah, happy to be here. And I think this one's a great one. Um, you know, everybody, no matter what, uh, home life, business, whatever, you, you got to have some simple map to know where you're going and to know how you're doing. Are you making, are you making progress on the journey? So I think this is a super applicable one, um, for anybody listening. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. I mean, just to start with, like, it's, it's kind of overwhelming, like, okay, now I've got this vision. Um, that does take some of the scariness out of it. Like at least you have this beautiful picture of where you want to be in three years, hopefully by this point. And now you're like, all right, well, how do I get there? Like, what's, what's a good next step? What would you tell somebody like a good practical next step? Like, all right, I'm all the way here at zero. I'm trying to go to 20. I'd like to just figure out how to get to two. Like what's, what's a good, yeah. good foot forward. So, I mean, ultimately in, in the way I think about it, goal setting is creating a map between where you're at and where you're trying to go. So, you know, like I grew up in Tampa, Florida. If I wanted to, if my vision was to get to California, then the goals, the map are basically, okay, how do you drive from Florida to California? Right. I wouldn't want to be driving, you know, up to the Northeast cause I'd be heading in the wrong direction. I'd be driving, but I just wouldn't be driving towards my vision. So goal setting is really just, okay, what are all of the next steps to be able to get from where I'm at? To where I'm going. To me, there's kind of three different ways to do this. There is trying to figure it out on your own, right? Just trying to, okay, real estate or entrepreneurship. Okay. I'm try I've never invested. I don't own any real estate, but I want to. And so I'm going to go try to figure it out on my own. Um, that by far is the hardest, the hardest way to do it because you may not even know how to create a map because you haven't done it before. Right. That'd be the hardest, but unfortunately that's what a lot of people do. Uh, you know, just straight trial and error. The second way to go about it would be go find some sort of map. Somebody's already created. I mean, like this podcast is an example, right? There's so many people that are trying to bring value and give information on different topics. And so you could find 
somebody else um, a book, you know. Uh, the third way, and this is by far the the easiest way, would be to find a person, like find a person who's actually done it. Because that, you know, I mean, you talk about accelerating like a mentor. Um, your success, just finding somebody that's done it, they're going to be able to, what would take somebody, you know, a month to create a map for where they want to go? Somebody that's already done it, man, they could do that on a napkin. In 30 seconds. Oh, you're trying to get here? X, Y, Z, do these things. So to me, that's kind of the starting place. Where am I at? Where am I trying to go? And then which one of those paths are you going to take? You know, you're going to trial and error. You're going to learn. You're going to go get a mentor. I mean, what do you think when you think like low hanging fruit starting place? No, you're right. Um, I kind of think, you know, you, you create this vision and maybe that vision is, I want to earn $10,000 a month through real estate. But the reason I want to do that is because that frees up a lot of my time. And now I have a lot more margin in my my life to go to my kids' games. So that's what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, that emotional attachment um, within your vision. Okay, so for me to get to $10,000 a month, let's just say I have to have five properties uh, the most efficient way to do it maybe is short-term rental properties. All right. If I'm going to have five properties in three years, that means um, this year, I probably need to get like two, one or two. And if I want one or two properties this year, what do I have to do like in the next 12 months to get one or two properties? First, I got to acquire one, right? What do I have to do to acquire one? I've got to like look at a whole lot of listings and like, you know, and then after I get it, what do I have to do to make sure it's performing to achieve that 10,000? Like, do I have to redecorate it? There's a lot of, there's a lot of steps, but I think you're right. Like it's just drawing out a board. And if you find somebody who's done it really successfully, like it takes the guesswork out. Like, um, for instance, I think we're creating the ultimate short-term rental property right now. We're creating a wedding venue and my partner nor I have ever owned, operated, built a wedding venue. And so we look at a lot of, um, and what drove that was this, you know, we wanted to create a space where lives change like this inflection point type of, like, if you could say any piece of real estate is a life changing piece of real estate, like that, that creates an inflection point in people's lives. It might be a venue, you know, marriages happen, corporate retreats happen, like stuff like that. And so that was kind of the vision. But for us to get there, like we know we have to have a piece of property. We know we have to have the engineering done. Like we know a lot of that stuff because we know about real estate, but we don't know like necessarily how to market it. So we're going out and finding a mentor or a coach or a consulting company and um, somebody who's designed wedding venues before somebody who's owned a wedding venue before successfully. That's the key. Like not just done it, but done it very successfully. And so that's, I think the same way, man, like I, um, like if I can find, and so there's lots of coaches out there and they charge for their courses. I would just say like, it's easy to be skeptical of those people, but maybe embrace it. Like it's a win-win, like they win because they create the education and you win because you shortcut the process. Um, if you have somebody that are doing it for free, then 
then go for it. But if if you don't, try to take that layer of skepticism off and and embrace some education from folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what what you're what you're describing at the beginning is really just this idea of kind of reverse engineering your vision. You know, like if you know where you want to go, like you said. You know, if it's short term, you know, a real estate, I want to have X amount of, you know, passive income or whatever. So whatever that vision is, you're basically saying, okay, I'm imagining myself five years from now accomplishing this thing or becoming this person. That's my vision. You know, I want to make this sort of impact or I want to make this amount of money or whatever, you know, like, you know, I love to run. I want to, I want to run this race or I want to run this time five years from now. So then you just kind of reverse engineer the process. Um, to me, there's, there's a lot of helpful tools out there that would kind of help with this. Um, you know, I use something called vision frame that is sort of a, a planning tool. Um, EOS, a lot of people will use EOS stuff. They'll help with this sort of planning. The basic concept though is, okay, if I got a five-year vision, what are the three or four most important things? I probably need to tackle in the next three years or in the next two years, you know? And then once you kind of get close to what those things are, then you say, okay, you know, what's the next, what's the most important, you know, one or two things to do over the next year. And then you back up and now you start getting to like quarterly stuff, you know, what's the four most important things to do over the next quarter. And now you start having a pathway to like, know what you should be doing tomorrow. Cause that's the problem, you know, like that's the problem. Like it's easy to have a 10 year vision, five year vision, but you don't really know. Okay. Well, what do I do tomorrow? Uh, I'm so far. Yeah. I'm so far from that vision. I need like a, an easy next step. And so all you're trying to do is create that map of how to get from where you're at to, to where you're trying to go. So like in your life and business, like there's probably areas where you, you have more competency so it maybe is easier for you to do this, right? So like if you set real estate goals now, those are probably easier than they were 10 years ago because you have more competency doing this. What would you say for maybe not something that's brand new, but maybe something that's a little bit more new, you know, the goals that you're trying to hit? Like what what are some next steps to start trying to create that plan? And I was just thinking about that when you were asking the question. So I mean, with competency comes confidence. Also with clarity comes confidence. So the clearer you can get about that vision, the clearer you can get about the steps, you get a little more confident. Um, I would say, let's just say you're 35 years old and these are like, you've just plugged along and this is kind of a new concept to you. Like you've never created a vision for your life. You've You've just... You've never done that. Um, like, how are you? How are you going to make this about face from like somebody who's just showing up to somebody who's like being the choir director, so to speak? Like, you're going to have to figure out like the the most efficient way to do this. And and you've said this before, Bobby, is to change, is to kind of change who you are. Try to figure out how to become a better version of yourself because when you become a better version of who you are, you don't have to try so hard. 
If you become a better version of who you are, you attract you attract those things that you desire in your life. You just attract them automatically. And so we're not saying you don't have to do all the steps. Like you certainly have to do all the steps. But when you're better at it, then you're going to face way fewer hurdles. Um, but from a real practical standpoint, like let's use the example I used earlier. Maybe a very, very first step is like, hey, Bobby, like you've done this before. What would you say I do? And you say, hey, Mark, why don't you um, go out to Zillow and draw a circle around the area that you're looking at and then put in the criteria of the price range that you can afford right now. And by the way, leave a little bit extra. Don't max out that budget because you're going to need to redecorate and paint and buy some like small kitchen appliances and stuff like that. All right. So I got all that. I've got that little plan. Like already I've got a little pep in my step because now like, well, I'll, I wouldn't have thought about that. Now Bobby's kind of led me down that path. And then tomorrow, maybe I'm like, all right, I get alerts for all the new listings that came up under my criteria. I'm looking at them and maybe I see I have a hundred listings that I want to look at. And maybe I just decide, hey, I think I can make these two work based off of like what Bobby told me he thought would work. And now I start making offers. All right. Well, I've never really bought a house before. Like, what do I do now? Like, wow. talk talk to a mortgage broker. And I think just, we, we talked about this last podcast, like taking those steps into it, there's always got to be a first time. There's always got to be a first time. And everybody who's ever done this in the history of doing this has done it for a first time. So there's lots of, there's lots of examples out there. And most of those people had somebody to kind of help them through it. Right. And so for me, like, it's not as scary as you think. And um, like, what is the absolute worst case scenario? Maybe you make an offer, you get to the closing table and you freak out and say, okay, this is not for me. Hopefully you don't. But like, that's in my book, that's, that's probably the worst case scenario because you might think the worst case scenario is you don't create enough rent to make the payments. But really the worst case scenario is not following through on it. Like getting to a point where you're not making enough rent for the payments, like, yeah, that's pretty terrible. But at least you prove to yourself, hey, I can get to that point and next time I'm going to get a little bit sharper and analyze a little better. Yeah. Two things you said that kind of make me think about like goal setting and next steps, maybe some good actionable things for people. One is, and, and this is maybe the hardest one to do, like if you become, you know, like in your example of real estate, if you all of a sudden take on the identity of a real estate investor, it's not going to be that hard to go out and purchase a property or whatever. Like for you to purchase a property or for me to purchase a property, that's not like scary or anything like that. Cause we've done it before. Like we, we, we sort of have that identity of like, Oh yeah, we're real estate investors. That's what we do. So that's the easiest and quickest way to change. Not the easiest. That's the quickest way to change. Right. You just, you have new ways of thinking, Oh, I'm a real estate investor. This is what I do. It, it makes that stuff seem uh, less hard. Now it's hard to just snap your fingers. Right. And be like, I'm a real yeah. estate investor if you haven't done it. So on the other side, try to figure out what is the, easiest 
low-risk, repeatable next step I could take. Because to me, a lot of people go down this road, using your example of like real estate and purchasing a house or something, you know, they say, oh, I want to get into real estate. I want to buy, you know, a passive or semi-passive investment. And then they start going down the road and they just realize, oh man, I don't, I don't have enough money, my credit, how do I make offers, yada, yada, yada. And they, and they just quit, right? Because they kind of, they kind of start with a goal. Maybe that's a little too high, not the goal, but like the next steps. So something like that, your next step could literally just be, Hey, I'm going to start looking at properties every day. Like it's just going to be, it's that's low risk. It costs me nothing. But it is a next step that I'm taking, you know, because a lot of times I think, especially coming to the end of the year, people will get super motivated and they want to take a huge next step. But most of the time, that's never going to work. You know, what's going to work is figuring out a very simple, repeatable next step. Yeah. That idea of flywheel we talked about in week one, like, don't make it so intimidating. Try, don't try to do 20 steps today. Because it's it's actually better just to allow space in your life. Just do one step today and one step tomorrow. Maybe it takes 10 minutes. Maybe it takes two hours. But make sure you're just doing it every day. And so you see a little bit of progress every single day. Yeah, I mean, if you want to take 20 steps in a day, do that. But just just know that that's, if you're brand new, <laughs> that's going to be a little overwhelming. And it could, like, freak you out a little bit. So, you know, take it a little bit at a time. Yeah, it's hard to, it's hard for that to be repeatable. Yeah, you know, if you've not if you've not developed that habit, um, you know. So, like, even when I'm like coaching people and running, you know, like if someone comes to me and they're like, "I want to run a marathon" or "I want to run a hundred miles," you know, if they don't have a ton of experience, you know, I'm going to be like, "Hey, let's let's start with like walking thirty. 30 minutes, like three or four times a week. And that seems like such a, such a small step, but it's also something like we can control, you know what I mean? Because like in goal setting, you know, you kind of have like inputs and outputs, you know, like the output is like the thing that you ultimately want to see. You don't have like full control over that. Um, you know, like, Hey, I want to make $10,000 a month of passive income. It's like, okay, that's a goal. But you don't have full control over that. Like you're going to have to do a bunch of inputs that hopefully one day get you to the output. And so trying to identify what are things I can control, you know, like you can go on Zillow and look at 10 houses a day. Like you absolutely can control that. Like that's a guaranteed win that you're able to have. And so when you are creating that map to wherever you're trying to go, you got to find those like inputs that are like, Hey, these are controllable. I can do them. Like, you know, man, no big deal. If I fail here, it's going to be my fault. <laughs> you know, it's going to be no one else's fault because these are easy, small steps that I can take. Um, have you seen that like in your life, like when you started in real estate or anything else where those little, you had to take those little small steps at first and that stuff eventually kind of accumulated over time? Yeah, man. Like real estate, like I've, I've, I've just been, I don't, um, I don't have this super fear bone in my body. Like, I mean, I do for some things and some, I will right. say in my worst moments, I, I don't feel like I'm, I'm brave enough or up to it, but, 
Um, I think that's that's overcomable through massive action. And so, um, yeah, I, I totally agree. And nothing builds confidence and momentum and gets that flywheel inertia started more than action. Like, man, I did this yesterday. I can do this today and I can do this today. And so the example I was saying, like the best, like the worst way to fail is by not following through and doing it. Like we might think, oh my gosh, like I don't want to fail at this. Meaning like the project isn't going to work out. Actually, the fact that you got to the point where you found that the project may or may not have worked out, like that's way better than the project not working out. I think in, I think in most case scenarios, because you learn so much, you learn so much. And I've seen this just in real estate in, in general, like there, during 2007, 2008, there were a lot of folks who went bust because of things they couldn't control. Obviously, they may not have been their most conservative in investing. And some people were trying to flip houses and they end up having to like sit on the houses and renting the houses for a decade before they turned around. But they took all that knowledge, and there's quite a few examples of this. They took all that knowledge and what they thought was risk at the time, and they applied it to the past five to six years and have just made huge leaps and bounds way above wherever they thought they were going to be in 2008 and 2009. So, I mean, I would say actually not trying it is, is, is more hurtful to you. And that's really hard concept. It's a really hard concept. And so maybe the best way to mitigate that is like, just do a small, just do it something, something small. And these baby steps we're talking about, like maybe they're baby steps to a baby step in the grand scheme of things. That's kind of how I think about things. Like, man, I, I, I ran um, a handful of Ironman, but like you said, I started out running like sprint races down the football field when I was a kid. And then I did some 5Ks in cross country. And then like in college, I, I started running a little bit farther. And yeah, and so it just it just progresses. Like I'm not going to go from like being a 10-year-old kid to doing an Ironman like within six months. I'm just not going to do that. What you're bringing up is like so important, I think, to keep in mind to keep us from failing at our goals because what inspires us is that big vision, you know, like you talking about doing an Ironman, like, you know, you, you, you watch the Hawaii Ironman on, um, television and it's so inspirational. And you're like, I want to do an Ironman. That's what inspires you. Well, you're nowhere near in the place to be able to actually do the Ironman when you're just starting out. Right. So like the thing that inspires you, your, your next steps are going to look nothing like where you're eventually going to be. And so that's really important to know like, okay, you can be super inspired by the vision or whatever, but like day in, day out, it's those small little things that you're going to have to do that are going to ultimately, um, you know, lead to success. So, Hey, to switch kind of gears just a little bit, you know, t for me, one of the things around goal setting is, you know, if we're thinking about, okay, goal setting is figuring out where I'm at right now, figuring out where I want to go. And then kind of creating a map to get there, you know, one year, three year, five year, whatever. One important part of that is like metrics, you know, like measuring, okay, how are you actually doing? You know, 
with whatever it may be, business, family, entrepreneurship, real estate. I'd be curious to hear from you because I know for myself, like there's times where I want to like really lean into the metrics and there's other times if I'm not doing well, maybe I want to kind of shy away from the metrics a little bit, you know, like, oh man, I'm not doing great at organizing my finances. And so I just don't want to look at it. You know, like I don't want to, I don't want that indicator to tell me how I'm doing, you know? Um, but metrics are not the end all be all, but they certainly are an indicator of how this thing is going. Right. You know, like whatever area of life, like we got to have ways to measure how we're doing. It's kind of like your example from driving from Tampa to California. Like you can look at your GPS and know that you're on the right path because it's telling you like, it's like, Hey, I'm, I'm on the right path. So yeah, that's why I think like you want to make your goals like really, really clear with timetables, but not so like rigid that you can't work within them, that you can't allow life to happen. And so like for training, like athletic training, for example, like I remember my very first Ironman, there was a famous uh, racer. His name was Mark Allen. And I went to markallen.com. And he had three race plans that I could that I could choose. It was beginner, intermediate, or elite. And at the time, I kind of looked at samples of each. And the beginner started with like three miles in a day. The intermediate had me like on the easy day, like five miles. And I decided that I'm like one of those. Um, I think I decided I was intermediate at the time, even though I'd never ran one. I regretted that. And so... Um, if you're a beginner, embrace that you're a beginner. Like I would say, don't let your, don't let your ego kind of get in the way. And so, because you don't, you don't want to get frustrated with your plan and your markers along the way, but a great way, like a great example of this is like, I would put up these training plans on the wall and every day I could mark off what I'd done, knew I was on the right path. And so if you can vision, like envision this in your head, this training plan, and it's 16 weeks, and every day you've got something that you kind of want to do. I used to do this in business all the time. I had a massive whiteboard in my office. I wrote up all my accounts, like, um, and I wrote up everything that I wanted to talk to them about. And then I wrote like where in the process I was chatting with them about that. And like where in the process they were in deciding if they wanted to buy what I was selling. And then like, if a deal came about, like I went further down the line and like wrote up all the potential deals and what the value of all those deals were. And I looked at that every day. Like, I think one of the big keys is um, put your goals and put your markers in a place where you can see it all the time. That is just readily apparent and not like, don't put it maybe like if you're not a binder guy or a spreadsheet guy, um, because the chances of, I mean, it's, it's a great thing that you wrote it down to start with, but if you're not going to look at it again, like it, it really kills you. I mean, put it in a place that helps you identify the markers and even better, take a picture of that and share it with somebody that you love and trust and allow them to say, Hey, Mark, or hey Bobby, um, you you sent me this picture the other day. Where are you at with that? And I think that's 
I think that's accountability. That's like vision. That's, you know, seeing it every single day. Like, man, that helps me. I remember I used to do that religiously and it helped me so much just to kind of know where I was, what path I was on. And like, if I was going to be able to achieve what I want to achieve. Yeah. And another, another angle with the metrics, one, it lets you know where you're at, how you're doing. But then especially I think in business, like by measuring everything, you're able to know, okay, what are the things that are going really well? And what are the things that are not going as well? You know? So like take real estate as an example, you know, it's like, okay, if I own five rentals and my goal is profit and, and cash flow. Um, well, by measuring that for each rental, I, I, I may see, oh, wait a minute, you know, uh, rental number three over here, it's actually not doing as good as the rest of them. And so, you know what, maybe rental five is doing the best. So may, maybe I sell rental number three and I buy another one that's more similar to rental number five, Right. And so just having that, like, really just kind of extreme ownership over like, what's, what's going on? Like, how's it all going? You know? Um, Cause some people, when, when something's failing, they want to not measure that and they want to shot, they want to shy away from that. But if you just kind of take ownership and responsibility, sometimes, you know, seeing that, seeing that failure or seeing that thing that's not working out good, it will help you actually realize how to kind of get to the right place. Yeah. Because in any, you know? any like, if you have multiple of anything, there's probably going to be some things that are doing well and some things that aren't. And so you can learn a lot from both of those, like what not to do, what to do. Um, your rental example, for example, like if your decor is way better over here and your view is way better over here, maybe now with rental three, you change the decor and you get the rentals up a little bit, but Ultimately, I want one just like five. So now that I got rentals up a little bit, it's more valuable to the market. Now I can sell it. Or there's so many ways to massage this. Um, and and within each large topic, within each, let's just say a rental property is a topic or is a goal. Within each one of those, there are a lot of smaller goals. There's lots of ways you can maximize a property. Like like extremely, like I interviewed a girl here the other day and she buys, she has an interior designer. She pays a flat fee. Like historically my interior designer, I paid a fee and they brought everything in from their resources. What she does to maximize is she pays them a flat fee. They have a website they have to shop off of. All the furniture gets delivered. It looks just as good as my property, but she has a QR code slash lookbook that if anybody likes anything within her property, they can now buy it. Whether that's a toaster, a mattress, a comforter, whatever it is, they can buy it and she gets she gets money on the back end. So that's just one tiny example of how to maximize what you're doing within a certain goal. Right? So if you know, like like Iron Man, there's four main topics, eating, <laughs> running, swimming, and cycling. Like, how can I, what did I do in training to get so much better at swimming? Like my swim, my swim time was awesome, but my run time was bad. And it's probably because I didn't eat well or something. 
that do enough print training. Like I think within each of those, you can hone it and get a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things, um, just as we're talking about like goal setting and taking next steps and all that is, um, I do think once you maybe gain a little bit more experience in a certain area, you know, like real estate or running or whatever, there are times where you may be able to kind of take more of like a 10x jump than like a 2x jump, you know, because a lot of times in goal setting, what we're talking about is like the very clear, small next step, right? Which is kind of the way things happen a lot of times. But I do think there are times where a next step may reveal itself that is a little bit of a bigger jump, right? Like like in real estate, like you have a bunch of different stuff going on and all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, this thing over here is like doing really well or I'm really good at this thing over here. You could sometimes use that feedback, that information to take like a huge leap forward. Um, you know, not just like an incremental sort of step. So I don't know. Have you seen kind of examples of that in your own life or other people that you've been around? Yeah, man, that's, I, that is so good. And I, I so appreciate it because a lot of times in real estate, the bigger the step you take, the more economies of scale you get to. And so like we started out with like a $400,000 house in the Smokies and that was our first rental property up there. The latest one we did was two and a half million and it brings in a lot more revenue. Like it's just kind of tip of the spear. It's always kind of challenging ourselves. But but what we what we could have done is like we thought and what a lot of people think is like, man, I just want to do like a one or two bedroom house. And but I'm going to do like eight of those because I feel comfortable in that space. What if you just did an eight bedroom and now you have one roof right. to make to take care of one set right. of appliances and you get a lot of economies of scale and it feels risky, but it's, it's actually less risky than doing eight, you know, eight of kind of the smaller version of it. So I, I yeah, totally it, agree. Yeah. It's so, it's so counterintuitive in many ways to think, wait a minute, you're telling me like the bigger step could actually be a lot easier than the smaller step, but in some areas that I think that is absolutely true. Yeah, it's it's absolutely true because I mean the management, like to take that next step, to take that big step is way less work. I mean, that's why it's so important to paint this vision, like and tie it to something emotional versus like I want to buy eight houses. Like that doesn't make sense. I want to make 10,000, but why? The quickest right. way to do that, you know, you could take that three and you hear Brandon Turner talk about this all the time. Once you write down your goals and once you set a vision for those goals, like chances are you're going to blow by those goals a lot quicker than you thought you were. And then you're going to have to reset these goals. And the quickest way to do that is challenge yourself. Just kind of step into it. Like we, like we talked in the last podcast, like, man, what is maybe as part of, as part of writing down all these steps, like what is the quickest way I could do this? And I like, and maybe identify like, what's the, in my head, what's the least risky, what's the medium risk, but a little bit quicker. And then what's the quickest way to do it? And then like, really think about, is it really, is it really that, that risky? Yeah. 
So like one question I would have for you, like, I, I feel like you're kind of bringing this to mind for me is sometimes when people think about like goal setting and creating a path and all that, you know, they think, okay, I can't fail. So they end up never starting. Right. Because they think, man, I don't, I don't want to lose money in that first investment or whatever it may be. And I'm not sure how to do it. And so they just never start. Right. Um, they don't fail, but they don't succeed either. But, you know, many times like with goal setting and creating a path, it's like, if you can just start, you know, if you can just start down a path, you are going to be way ahead of the game because you absolutely will fail. You will buy a two bedroom and then like you realize, wait a minute, maybe I can do this larger thing over here. But the way to do that is by starting. And I think it's so important for people to, to be able to understand that the goal is just not to fail. The goal is to make progress, learn from the mistakes, but you have to start to do that. Yeah. What, right. If I buy this house, what is the absolute, like if I make it all the way through and I get the house and I get it marketed, what's the absolute worst case scenario? And a lot of times when you actually think about like realistically, what is the worst case scenario is not that bad. I mean, it's probably something like, okay, um, we have to transition this into a long-term rental or into a midterm rental and somebody makes the payments and like, you know, you're not, you're not out anything, or maybe you have to move into the property and get a roommate. Like what is the absolute worst case scenario? Like, and does it endanger your life? And what's the worst right. case scenario if you don't do it, then you'll never know. Like you'll never know. Right. I'm not trying to be so flighty that you don't like take this serious and analyze these deals because you absolutely want to. And that's part of the process. And that's one of the small steps along the goal line. But the vision to do it, like don't, don't allow yourself to not do it. You know, like I, I, I remember this, like, um, and Brandon Turner, he doesn't know me, and um, but he's kind of become a mentor of mine from afar. And so he had this vision of moving to Hawaii and spending days on the beach with his family. And it was just this really cool vision. And he found this house that he liked. And um, he was like, man, I've never bought a house that that's expensive. And this house had like a little shack out behind it. And his friend was just like, all right, well, what's the absolute worst case scenario? And he went through that and it, he's like, okay, so I have to rent this in the back or I have to get another room. Like it wasn't that bad. And it never, it never is. It never is. If you're realistic about it, like, you know, sometimes we can allow ourselves to get into this death gloom, but just be realistic about that. And, and I think that's, that's healthy. I think that's really healthy because if you write that down, and you t discuss it with somebody who's kind of been there and done that, that's the importance of having a right. mentor. Um, then it's not as bad as you think. Yeah. And the more, the more you do, the more you learn and the more you learn and the more experience you have, the more you are going to mitigate your risk long-term. Right. And the only way to get experience in whatever is just to do it. It's just to try to do it. You try to mitigate the risk the best you can on the front end, but you are going to have some failures. And a lot of times you're going to learn, you're going to learn a ton from those failures or not even failures. Maybe you just didn't go the way you imagined. Right. And sometimes 
just by doing and learning and experiencing, you're going to be able to create such a better future plan anyways, right? Because when you first are creating that five-year, eight-year, 10-year vision, as you start going down the road, you're, that's going to change, right? That vision is going to change. That ultimate direction is going to change. But sometimes the only the only thing that you could do is just to start and start heading down that pathway because that it, it's almost like when you head down that pathway, the, the, the future begins to kind of open up. For like you. embrace thing. I know this particular podcast was supposed to be about, and it is about like goals and, and creating a map. And I think we've done a good job of kind of touching on those, but talking about this topic reminds me of a story about Sarah Blakely. And for those of you don't, who don't know who Sarah Blakely is, but she created Spanx. And so her father, when she was a kid, would always reward her and her siblings for failing. They called it failing. And so at the dinner table every night, dad would say, hey, Sarah, what'd you fail at today? And if you didn't fail at something, then that was actual failure. And so this idea of failure was actually embraced. Like, you didn't try anything today if you didn't fail at it. You didn't try anything for the first time um, if you if you didn't have any failure today. So when she went to create Spanx, she had like thousands of revisions. And for a lot of people, they may have quit at 10 or 20. Like, ah, oh, this, this idea, it wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. You know, it's not going to work out. But to her, like, like this just meant I'm, a, I'm now closer. And so this is... So I say all of that, like all of us can't go back to when we were five years old or 10 years old and do that again, but this is a muscle you have to flex. It is a muscle you have to kind of work all the time. And, and the only way to build competence and confidence is going through it. The best way to attack something that's hard is going right at it. Like if you try to tiptoe around it or underneath it, it's going to be way more difficult. So I have a small little story about this. So um, I think I shared about the first time I was on um, the podcast talking about short-term rentals and stuff. You know, we had a, a cabin over in Pigeon Forge to burn down. And it was just a total nightmare. If you think about failure, it's a nightmare, right? Invest, cabin burns down, it's a total nightmare. Burned down a wildfire. So we rebuild the cabin. We learned that whole process, right? How to be, how to rebuild on a burnt down lot and contractor and just all the stuff, right? So much so that we were able to build another house. And we were over there recently looking at the second house. And I was walking around with my son Everett and he picked up on this exact idea of what you're talking about. He said, daddy, I don't know. Was it kind of better that the house burnt down? Because now you've built two houses and you want to build even more houses. And he was just picking up like, Hey, if the house would have never burned down, you would have, we would have never been down this path that we are, you know, we started of learning the, exactly. So, you know, it's, it's, and I told him I was a good, it was a good way to, um, just a teaching moment. You know, I'm like, yeah, you can never judge the circumstance in the moment for, you know, like sometimes we look back a lot of times on failures and it's like, Hey, that was the key. That was the key moment that got me to where I am today. So let's, let's be hesitant to even say that failure is like a bad thing. You obviously don't want to you know, lose all your money or anything like that, but like 
man, that's where you learn. That's where you grow. That's the pivot points in life many times. That is so good. And, and to be at that age and realize like, wow, dad would have never been through this construction process. And now the second time's not scary at all. Right. You know, like this is, this is easy. Um, yeah. Or it's not hard. So, right, man, that is, that is a great way to end uh, today's podcast. Great story. Thanks for sharing that, man. Well, that wraps up another podcast of the Good Endeavor Short-Term Rental Show. We really appreciate you guys hanging in here with us. Um, big thanks to my co-host today, Bobby Harrington, and um, we will see you guys next week. Anything you want to leave us with, Bobby? Awesome. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, I would just say take that, take that next step. Um, that's where you're going to learn. That's where you're going to grow. That's ultimately what it's all about. Awesome. Thank you for listening. And don't forget about the tools available to subscribers. The property manager self-assessment tool, my property upgrade walkthrough list, or the chance to feel like a millionaire for the weekend by checking out one of our own properties in person. It's all available on our website www.goodendeavorstrshow.com.